Man, so glad that you are here. Man, carving out some time to gather together. I mean, to worship the Lord, to gather around God's word. Uh, go ahead and take your seat, uh, Hill City Church. If I haven't got a chance to meet you, uh, my name is Charlie. My wife and I have the great privilege and honor uh, of pastoring uh, Hill City Church. And uh, man, I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, is anybody else today, did you wake up and when you saw the sun, did you just smile? Or is it just me? I smiled so big. Whenever I see the sun, I just love it. And I'm just going to encourage and just ask all of you to join with me in prayer. We're just going to pray winter away. Okay, we didn't have a real strong winter, but it can go home. It can get out of here. Whenever March comes around, don't know if you're like me, but as a, of a Floridian sort of in my heart, I grew up in Florida. Whenever I can deal with the four seasons, I love it. Apple picking in the fall, all the things, love it. Can I tell you the hardest month for me to not be in Florida is the month of March. Because in the month of March in Florida, do you know what we're doing? We're going to the beach. That's what we do. We go to the water park in March. Here, the weather's like a drunk uncle. And you don't know how it's going to come. You don't know one day it's going to be 80. Do y'all remember, what was it, two weeks ago? It was 80 degrees on Thursday. Snowed on Saturday. Go home, weather. You're drunk. We don't want you around here anymore. So I'm just asking for the people of God to bind our prayers together. Beseech the Father in heaven that spring might come early. The golfing side of my heart needs it. If you love your pastor, you're going to pray for this with me. All right, y'all ready for God's word today? Come on, y'all ready for God's word? Come on, the 9 o'clock service, y'all the Christians, I expect it. I also expect you to intercede for the second service. The Lord is working on them. If you visit the second service from time to time, you know this to be true. Just joking. Hey, I, I want to continue uh, in a collection of sermons that we've been calling uh, Basics, where for us it is a conversation on spiritual practices. It's a conversation around some things that we believe are foundational. We believe, not an exhaustive list by any stretch of the imagination, but we do believe that these are some important things to sort of put into place, to, to, to think about, to talk about, to consider. And already this year we have uh, as a church, we are reading through the New Testament um, together. I hope that you are a part of that. Uh, it's not too late. It's not going to be too late ever in this year for you to be a part of that and join with us. We've designed it to where you can jump right in. If you miss a day, we don't care. Get back on track. Like we're, Nobody's counting. We're not handing out ribbons. This isn't a competition. Um, but we just want you to spend more time in God's Word this year than you did last year. And we believe that reading the Bible is, is, is incredibly, it's essential uh, for our spiritual maturity and our growth. We fasted already this year. We've talked about prayer. We talked about how we navigate and negotiate the, the difficult days of our life, how we deal with grief, how we deal with hard times. Last week, we talked about um, the awe of God, that, that having a fear of the Lord, it is the foundation and the source um, for everything else. And so I want to sort of kind of continue uh, this conversation with getting a, a sense and an understanding uh, really about who God is. And so if you are taking notes today, I, I want to talk and, and preach a sermon to you for the next few moments, uh, really around this idea um, that our God um, is holy. Our God um, is holy. And so I want to I begin sort of with a um, kind of gathering our, our minds around the theological concept of God's holiness. 
We hear this word and we hear this phrase a lot, that our God is holy. You see it throughout the scripture. And even today, as we sort of build an understanding around the holiness of God, we're going to move through a number of scriptures. We're going to move through a number of texts. But I want us to be clear on the onset. When we talk about the holiness of God, we're talking about the moral excellence of God that unifies his attributes. And it is, an ex- it is expressed through his actions which sets him apart from all others. The great theologian Karl Barth has has a quote that that I simply, uh, that I just love. He says that God is wholly other. That he's wholly other. God is not like you and I, but God is wholly other. When we talk about the holiness of God, it's important and foundational for us to understand the holiness of God is not an attribute of God, but it is the very essence of who God is. And as we understand this, there can be some things that I give you today that I believe will help us kind of move and grow sort of in an understanding and even a practice and a relationship with God as it pertains um, to his holiness. There are two ways that the scriptures pre- like predominantly talk about the holiness of God. And one of them, as we see, is the distinctness of God from his creation. Again, Karl Barth's language, he's holy other. Not a better version of, not a more complete version of, but that he is holy other. And the second is that God is not corruptible. We've got to grab this. God is not corruptible. Now, many of us, especially in this town, you can see and remember stories where corruption has taken place, where someone has taken a bribe, somebody has given a bribe. Even some of us have arrived at restaurants and been put on a long list to wait for a table, and you might have been sort of reaching your wallet, grab a couple bucks, hey, can I get that seat? God doesn't do stuff like that. And I'm not throwing any shade on you. Get that seat. (laughs) Listen, there have been plenty of times I've gone to a restaurant with our kids when they've been young. How many of you know that it um, it is not wisdom to go out to eat in a restaurant if you have a child under the age of two? How many know that to be true? And you want to know how you know that to be wisdom? Because you've done that. And you thought to yourself, just as Nicole and I did in a season of life where we had young kids, we thought to ourselves, we can go, our kids going to behave themselves. You go to that restaurant and the kid screams their head off. Listen to me. There have been times we've gone to restaurants and they're the, the wait's going to be long. And I've gone, I've gone to, the, you know, to the, the stand. I don't know what that stand is called where the people that sit behind there and they have all the power in the world of the tables in the restaurant. I don't know what that stand is called, but I've approached the bench of authority in that restaurant. And I've said to them things like this, so help me God. I'll do anything. I'll give you a pint of blood. I've got a kidney here. I was going to sell it, but I'll give it to you. So then you could sell if you will get me a seat. Listen, we, we like to get a favor. We like someone to maybe owe us a favor. And I just want us to understand at the very beginning, God is not like us. He can't be corrupted. And listen to me, friends. One of the first things that all of us have to get our hearts and minds around is we have the ability to be corrupted. We have the ability We, like sheep, have gone astray. We have to acknowledge we have the ability to let people down, to offend, to wrong, to make bad choices even when we know they're bad choices. 
Our God is not like that. He is wholly other, and he is without the ability to be corrupted. I'm going to walk through a few things as we build this understanding of God's holiness. And the first one is this, is that God's nature is holy. God's nature is holy. He is perfect. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 4, the rock, his work is perfect for all of his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3, and one called of the angels said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. 2 Samuel Chapter 22, verse 31, this God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all of those who take refuge in him. So he is perfect in all of his ways. He is uniquely holy. First Samuel chapter 2, verse 2 says it this way, that there is none holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. Exodus chapter 15, verse 11 he says, who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic and holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? In Isaiah chapter 40, listen to the word of the Lord. To him then will you compare me, that I should be like him, says the Holy One. He is uniquely holy. He is perfect. His nature is holy. The Bible also says that God's name, God's name is holy. Look with me at Ezekiel chapter 36, two verses there. And this is God saying, he says, But I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations to which they came. Therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. That passage begs us to ask the question, how are we representing and caring for the name of God? When I read that, do you know what the, and the reminder is? That my life has the ability to accentuate, to highlight, to point to, to care for the holiness that is in God's name. And on the opposite side of that, my life, my testimony, my words, my actions, my deeds, my reputation may provide a shadow or a dent in the name of God. Friend, I just want to ask you today, how are you caring for the holy name of our God? How does your life care for that name? Do you treat God as if he is just a better version of you? Do you treat God as if he is the best version of humanity that you have ever seen? Or do you care for the name of God as if it is it's holy, it's righteous, that it's good, that it's just? Do you see the responsibility that is on us as God's people to carry the name of God well? My mom's in service with us today. And I've shared with you before just some things about our upbringing. And I just want to remind you guys today, today's the day, church. My mom will be in the lobby afterwards. If you think they did a terrible job raising me, 
Now's your chance. Let her know. She's going to be here. But my, my family, we didn't grow up with a whole lot of rules. I don't know how your family was. Didn't grow up with a lot of rules. My dad had one rule. And that rule was don't be an idiot. <laughs> Felt that rule covered all of the other rules. And as he would break it down, I'd go, man, that's, that's actually really true. And so I, I think about, hey, would an idiot do this? If they would, then I don't do that thing. Um, I pass that, that on to our, our kids. Man, hey, don't be an idiot. Like, but, but I also want you to know that I was raised, and many of you were raised this way, that when I, when I left my house, I was, I was not to, to bring dishonor to our family. Like it was the it was the sense of like hey like you're repre- and this is the way it was communicated to us it wasn't some sort of formal thing like hey when you go so and so go wherever um, don't act stupid hey don't don't be an idiot act like you've been raised right like you got some manners how many understand that I got in more trouble if I acted up outside of the house than I did if I acted up inside the house so some of y'all raised that that same way you get in trouble at home if you were out out of pocket. But if you're out of pocket somewhere, do y'all have parents like me where they would say things like this? Like, oh, we'll talk about this when we get home. Do you know what that means? That means you're in trouble. Do you also know, like, there's other phrases that my mom used, and some of it has is, is, is hurt my theology, but it's also helped it because I use it with my kids. I'm at the age now I say all the things that my parents said because they're geniuses. Hey, we're going to pray about that. I grew up knowing that that meant No. But my mom didn't want to tell me no right in the moment. I said, Mom, I want to do something. She said, hey, we're going to pray about that. So I was like, well, praise God, we're going to pray. And I was raised that pray usually means, means no. We're not going to get to do that thing. But, but the same way that I was raised with this idea of, man, when I leave my house, I'm representing my family. Not just myself. But I'm representing my family. I represent my mom, my dad, my, my brother, my sister. I'm, I'm, representing, I'm representing them. I'm carrying something that's not just... It's not, I mean, my first name identifies me. My last name identifies my family. And, and the same thing is to be said of us as the people of God. It's not just about you and I as individuals. Even we can go one step further. It's not just about as a church, us as Hill City, but it's us understanding that we're carrying the name of God. Listen, when you're on your job and you're out in the city and you're in these streets, yes, represent Hill City well. But more than that, Represent the Lord. If you get arrested, y'all don't know us. All right, can we just, can we please? You get arrested. Oh, I attend Hill City Church. No, you don't. Because we can't tell. We want to represent the name of God. Well, this passage here in Ezekiel reminds us that our, our lives have the ability of profaning the name of God amongst the nations around us. What a responsibility we have into the holy name of God. So not only is God's nature holy, not only is God's name holy, God's dwelling place, friends, is holy. Where God lives, his address is holy. Isaiah chapter 57 verse 15 says, thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place, and also with him who is contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. 
Second Chronicles 30, verse 27 says, Then the priests and the Levites arose and blessed the people, and their voice was heard, and their prayer came into his holy habitation in heaven. And then I loved what the New Testament begins to say. We, we think about God's presence and God's place. We think about temple. We think about where God is, that his dwelling place is holy. And listen to what Ephesians chapter 22, Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. He says, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple of the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Can I quote a verse to you that some of you will have grown up hearing? Know ye not that ye are the temple of the Holy Ghost? Know ye not? Friend, the, the beautiful thing throughout Scripture that we see is God has always desired to dwell among and with his people. You see this in the very first pages of Scripture in Genesis. And you see that God is trying to get back to the place, whether it's a tabernacle, whether it's a temple, in, in Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And now you see in Paul's writing that we are the dwelling place of God. Man, not only are we carrying the name of God, but we are also carrying the very presence of God. And where God's presence is, God, there, there we can have a sense of holiness. The final thing I want you to kind of, as we frame this up, this is all introduction, guys, all introduction. God's holiness is revealed in his righteous activity. So not only in nature is he perfect, not only is his name perfect, not only is his dwelling place, but in his righteous activity. But the Lord of hosts, Isaiah 5, 16, is exalted in justice, and the holy God shows himself in holy righteousness. Psalm 145 says, the Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all of his works. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 5. It's been a minute since some of y'all read Zephaniah, so this is good for you. The Lord within her is righteous. He does no injustice. Every morning he shows forth his justice. Each dawn he does not fail, but the unjust knows no shame. So all of this, what does it mean for us? There's a few things I want you to write down today, and the first one is simply this. That God's holiness, what does it mean for us? Primarily that we can trust God that we can trust God. Again, listen to me, Karl Barth's words, he says, God is wholly other. So God is not the best version of me. If we're not careful, here's what we actually slide into in practice, and this is how we actually live. We think, some of us, we think of, it, of ourselves, on my best day, this is what God's like. Or we've held someone else up, maybe it's a Mother Teresa, or maybe it's even your, your grandmother. Maybe she was a saint of God. And you say, that, God has to be like that because that's the best person that I've seen. And to do that, what we must understand is when we start thinking that way, we actually shrink God and we confine God into a box that we've created with our own experience. Then God is not other than our experience. He's defined by our experience. Many of us live with this understanding of God. And here's how that happen, what ends up happening in our life that is detrimental to the way in which we grow and mature in our faith. If God's just the best version of you or just the best version of me, we know deep in our heart that we can be corrupted. And we begin to think that God can too. 
Maybe not corrupted like you or I, or maybe not corrupted like a, a criminal, but, but corrupted in the sense of that we can talk God off of his will. Or that we can negotiate with God in matters that God has already settled. Listen to me. Let me give you a, a way in which this sort of plays out, and hopefully this will connect. My mom's here, so she can tell me if I'm lying. I knew growing up, and I still do this to my wife to this day. It's just how I'm, I'm wired. When I would get in trouble, if I get in trouble for something, I knew if I could get my mom to laugh, I wasn't in trouble anymore. I knew that. If I can get mama to laugh, we ain't, she ain't going to be laughing and spanking me. That ain't how this is going to work. I'm, she's not going to be laughing and giving me punishment. That's not how this is going to work. So I'd be in the middle of being called on something that I was wrong for, and I knew if I could just get her to laugh, this is going to soften the blow. More often than not, didn't it? Yes, because I'm my mom's favorite. <laughs> Church said amen. Mama said amen. It's on the recording. Brandon and Megan told y'all. <laughs> Many of us, though, will start to operate and do that with God. God's already said something is sin, and yet what we try to do is negotiate on that sin with God because we've created God in our own image. But when I understand that God is holy, no, no, I can trust his righteous judgment. I can trust the way he holds all things together. I can trust the way in which he has a plan. And it means then if I trust it, I can submit to it. If I trust it, I can, I can be under its authority. And that knowledge moves us to the second thing. My, my understanding of God's holiness is that I can trust him. But friends, it also must move us to places of repentance. The longer I live in my life, repentance is not something that I have done once in my life, but it is something I'm doing constantly. The closer I get to God, the, the, the deeper I go in God's presence, the longer I journey with God, do you know what it does? It doesn't remind me of how good I am. It reminds me of how broken I am. It reminds me of how I am not like God. The closer I get to God, I realize, man, I'm further than I thought. That has to lead me to a place of repentance, of brokenness. Why? Because if I am not submitted to the holiness of God, then I'm trusting in my own broken version of holiness. Repentance has to be the lifestyle of Christ followers. It has to be the basic, the, the foundational level. I trust God in his holiness. I'm repentant. I come to God with, I'm broken, God. And I need saving. I need rescuing. And that only comes not in my effort, not in my journey, not in my talent, not in my gifts. It only comes by way of Jesus. A perfect God requires a perfect sacrifice. And you and I could never be the perfect sacrifice for our sins. This is why Jesus dies on a cross so that you and I might have life to the full. Not, not so that we can flex and all that. No, no. So that you and I can actually stand before God and that our relationship with God might be repaired. We've all had relationships before that have gone sort of left instead of going right. You ever find yourself back into the room with a person that you've had a falling out with and maybe you hadn't talked to that person but now you're in the room with that person? Come on, I'm not the only one that's ever experienced the feeling in your stomach on that moment. 
Some of us thrive on that. And that shows us even more of our brokenness. I love awkward conversations. I love the moment of like, <laughs> doesn't that feel weird? Yeah, I know exactly what you did and what you said. And here I am. I love that moment. That's not, that ain't the Jesus in me. Can we just attest to that? That's my, well, not so hard, y'all. Chill out that. I'm not up here calling y'all now. We have, we have these moments if we're, not, if we're not living in this life of repentance. What can end up happening is that I'm also not embracing and accepting the holiness of God. Because if I accept the holiness of God, if I declare the holiness of God, and I understand the holiness of God, then I recognize that without grace, I cannot stand. Without the blood of Jesus, I cannot be reconciled to God. Not my attempts, not my try, not, not the, the, the amount of times that I, I've come or shown. That doesn't matter. My righteousness, just like Paul says, is like filthy rags. And his holiness is what I can trust. His holiness leads me to repentance. That's my response. The final thing I want us to see is simply this, that Jesus is our example, friends, of what it looks like for us to live in relationship with God's holiness. And what does it look like to to live this out in a day in and a day out? What does it look like for us to submit to God's holiness and deal with temptation? And we look in the scripture and we watch how Jesus deals when he is tempted with the enemy. The powerful thing is when you look at the narrative and you look at the temptations and as they come and you look at the scenarios that's offered to Jesus, all of these things, Jesus is promised or owed or has at his fingertips just not in this moment that the devil is tempting him with. Can I tell you what some of the greatest temptations of our life is? Is to shortcut the process and the plan of God. Some of you, God has spoken a word to you in your life, and the temptation that you have of the, over the enemy is to shortcut that. There are no shortcuts to the promises of God. There are no shortcuts to the plans and the purposes of God. There is to walk the way of Jesus and the way in which he combats the enemy. When he's tempted, come on, you know this. You remember this, friends. What does he do? He uses the word. Can I give you a hard word this morning? I think some of us don't respond to temptation the way that Jesus did because we do not know the word well enough to stand on it in those moments. Listen to me. Tweetable phrases don't scare the enemy. The Instagram sermon clips that we're watching and that we see, come on, we all see them. That's not enough to combat the enemy. Jesus doesn't say anything, but it is written. It is written. It is written. Jesus doesn't even try to square up on the devil like, hey, you know who my dad is? He doesn't use relationship. He doesn't use even the authority that is in his DNA. Some of us, listen, you want to know how to do spiritual warfare? Look at what Jesus does. You want to know what it looks like to do spiritual devil, to, to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the enemy? Don't do it in your flesh. Just do it resting in God's word. Do it standing on God's word. I love what, what David says in the scripture. He says, I've written the word of God in my heart that I might not sin against him. 
Some of you that are dealing with anxiety, can I just tell you what you need to do? Do a quick Google search today. Go on the Google and go scripture verses for anxiety. And you're going to find 1,700 websites that are going to give you a whole bunch of scripture verses. Write some of those scripture verses down. Go to your Bible, read them, write them out, go longhand, type them out in your deal. Find one of those and go, I'm going to memorize this one. And whenever those anxious feelings start coming up, here's what I want you to do. I don't want you just to take the four deep inhales and then exhale. Yeah, cool. Do all that, but, but also quote scripture. Go see your therapist at four, but be in your prayer closet at three. I'm just telling you, we live in a culture that wants to shortchange the way in which we're to get whole and we're to get healing. And I'm never the guy that's against therapy, but I am the guy that's against you going to therapy and not going to prayer. I am the guy that says, get in your word and not just the definitions that are handed to you by a clinical expert. We wage war not against flesh and blood. You are not just a human being. You are a spirit and a soul that is traveling in a body of flesh and bones. I want us to be real careful that we're living in the way of Jesus. He fights the enemy. He fights temptation. He fights that sort of tough moment with the word. I also want us to look not just in a difficult moment, but I want us to look at the way in which Jesus does ministry, the way in which Jesus performs miracles. Go check me in the Bible on this later on today. But I don't think you see when Jesus feeds the 5,000, I don't, think you, I don't think you see anywhere in the scripture where Jesus is like, hey guys, where's my lunch? Hey, make, hey, make, make sure I get, like, can y'all fix me a plate? Like, yeah, yeah, take care, take care of the first few rows. But can I, hey, make sure I eat lunch. I don't see where Jesus in the scriptures performs miracles for his own benefit. His ministry, friend, is not for his own consumption. Your giftings, your talents, the ministry in your life that, that flows outward, it is not for your own consumption. Can I give you a rap lyric for this? Come on, Christopher Wallace says, never get high on your own supply. That is, that is literally perfect exegesis and also married with a rap lyric. Go in the grace and peace of Jesus. But many of us, here's what we've done. We enjoy our giftedness. We enjoy the talent that flows out of us. And we've stopped returning it to the Lord. We've stopped serving the Lord with it. And we're now just simply feeding our own soul with it. And I'm saying, if I believe in the holiness of God, not only do I repent as a lifestyle, but my ministry as a lifestyle has to flow from that same place just as it did with Jesus. Friend, where in your life right now is the Lord challenging you? Is it to be stronger in God's word? Yes. Is it also to serve your giftings, your talents, the ministry that flows out of your life, to do it in the way of Jesus where it's not about you and what benefits you. 
what feels good for you. Now, I want to challenge some of you. You hear us talk a lot about, man, we're building God's house together and we're serving. And so many of you do that. And listen to me, I'm never the person that's going to tell you that the end-all, be-all for your life is to serve in church. No, I need you to serve God in your, in your Monday through Friday lives, Monday through Saturday lives. I, I need you to do that. I need you to be a witness. I need you to be a city on a hill. I need you to be a lamp in your home. I need all those things to be true. But can I also say this to you? Some of you have gifts. Some of you have talents. And you are not stewarding them well if you are also not contributing in God's house, contributing to the body of Christ, building, building the church. That's what it is, what Jay was talking about, being planted in God's house. That's what it is. So listen to me. I love you. I'm your pastor. Whether you, whether you serve here, listen, I love you. I'm going to say what's up. I'm going to pray for you. Hey, love you. But listen to me. There's something in your life that is missing if you are not planted, rooted, and contributing in the house of God. And I want you to experience that in your life. I love you, church. I want us to live in light of God's holiness. Can we bow our heads? Can we pray? Jesus, we love you. We honor you. We bless your name. And Lord, we just want to grow in this. We want to grow in the knowledge of your holiness. God, we could spend, we could spend weeks just talking about each of these basic things that we've addressed at a, at a very survey, cursory level. So maybe, God, you're stirring someone in this room. It's piqued their interest. And they want to read more and they want to study more. That, that is exciting for me. I hope that's the case. Continue to pull us and draw us deeper. Deeper into who you are. But God, as we do that, may we also be willing to see and recognize and confess that there's work in us to be done. Not just the work that's visible, but there's some interior work. Maybe some wounds. Maybe some thought processes. maybe some patterns, maybe some practices. And God, I pray the knowledge of your holiness may what cause us to let go of some of that stuff. That that awareness, the, the realization that, man, God is holy and he has called us to be holy as he is holy. May we stop comparing our lives to our heroes. And may we submit our life to Jesus. May we continue to grow in a, an awe of the Lord. May we see that our God is holy. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You're here and you say, Charlie, I need to I need to respond to this message. I need to respond to the holiness of God. That first, the first step is repentance. And you say, Charlie, there's some things in my life I need to repent. I need to confess. I need to lay this at the foot of the cross. 
that's you, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm just gonna ask that you just lift your hand to recognition of, yes, I have, I've got some things I need to get right with the Lord about. I've got some things that I need to bring to the foot of the cross, if that's you. Amen, amen. I want you just to lift your hand right now. Amen, 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 amen. You put your hands down. The Bible's very clear that when we confess with our mouth, we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord. What we talked about today, the holiness of God, us having a reverence of who God is, us knowing that, that, that who we are in our flesh cannot stand before the Lord. We need Jesus. Jesus, we need you to redeem us as only you can. We need you to save us as only you can. Church, I'm going to ask you just to pray this prayer with me. All across the room, I want to pray this strong. You don't know if the person to the left or to the right of you raised their hand and is praying this as a response moment, but I want us to pray this loud together in unity as the family of God. And say, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me. Forgive me. Redeem me. Restore me. Not because of who I am or what I've done, but because of who you are and what you've done. I believe I receive the forgiveness of God for my sin through you by faith and because of the grace of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, will you stand all to your feet? all across the room. I'm grateful for God's grace. Grateful for the way in which he loves us, giving his life for us. And so friends, my prayer is that you would leave here today intrigued by the holiness of God, but drawn closer to him, not further away. His holiness is not to to scare you off, but it's to know that we can trust him because he's got everything under control. He's not like the best version of you or me, but he is a God that is true, that is perfect, that is righteous in all that he does. We serve him and him alone. Go in the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. We love you so much, church. We'll see you next week. Grace and peace.